All right, welcome to Faceoffs and Fantasy Hockey Podcast. Here with your two co-hosts, uh, Sean and Marcus. Today we're going to be discussing <clears throat> some things about the league, including our thoughts on Jack Eichel and that situation, as well as what we expect from the Seattle Kraken. And we would be remiss if we do not discuss our hometown Toronto Maple Leafs. So we will be discussing the Leafs as well and what we expect out of the Atlantic this year. And in the second half of the podcast, which is our fantasy section of it, we are going to be talking about our values and sleepers, as well as doing a 12-team mock fantasy draft. So that is what you can expect from us. Marcus, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, thanks, Sean. That's good. How about yourself? Anything new? <laughs> no, no. How about yourself? Uh, I'm doing good, thanks. Uh, I, uh, my little guy's upstairs sleeping right now, so... Hopefully, uh, don't wake him up, and hopefully, you don't hear any crying coming from my microphone. If you well, do, I apologize in advance. Don't get too yeah. emotional when uh, I steal the Kachuk brothers from you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. You got you got one once. We'll see what happens yeah. after that. <laughs> okay. All right. So, what are your thoughts on Jack Eichel and his captaincy or stripping of the captaincy? Yeah. So this one's. This one's a funny situation, right? Because we're talking about a player who was injured most of last season, didn't play most of the season, was away from the team. And basically, for those of you not familiar with the situation, Jack Eichel sees the situation in one way in the context that he would like a certain type of surgery to replace and fix one of the discs in in his back, whereas the team is a little hesitant for him to get that particular surgery that he would like because he would actually be the first NHL player to receive that surgery. So they would like a different surgery to take place that their team doctors are recommending versus what Jack Eichel would like to get done. So it's a little bit of a standoff in this case where Jack Eichel is very adamant about getting the surgery that he is talking about and the team is very adamant that he doesn't get that surgery and gets a different surgery. So in the meantime, what's happening is the season's about to start. He is still injured. He still needs surgery. And so he's kind of just waiting in limbo. Um, And recently the league met with the Players Association, the NHL, the NHLPA was there, the representatives of the Buffalo Sabres and the representatives of Jack Eichel. And they basically all sat down and had a conversation. And the outcome was... They all want what's best for Jack Eichel. They just see it in different ways. And so that's why it's a little bit of a tough situation. For those of you kind of, I mean, there's two ways to look at it. The first way, in my opinion, this is obviously. The first way to look at it is his body, his choice. Mm -hmm. It's Jack Eichel himself who has the injury. He obviously feels very confident with the medical recommendations he's getting from his doctor and why he wants this particular surgery. On the flip side of that, you have an NHL team that is investing a lot of money into this player. We're talking $10 million a year for, uh, remind me or correct me if you can, Marcus, but I believe another five seasons at $10 million a year. So we're talking about essentially, this is going to sound very insensitive, but a $50 million investment in Jack Eichel and Jack Eichel's body. Well, it's future. Well, the contract's worth 80. So yeah. And so, you know, I can see where people are saying his body, his choice, but then I can also see the perspective of the Sabres saying, 
we're paying you $80 million. I think we should have a say in what's happening here because if you get the surgery and it goes wrong, we're the ones who are going to be out $80 million, right? Because he still gets paid that money. He signed the contract and it's a guaranteed contract. So that's kind of the stalemate. That's what's going on in this case. And obviously because he hasn't gotten the surgery yet, he's still injured. He showed up to camp and failed his physical. And basically as a result of this, the Buffalo Sabres have decided they are going to strip him of his captaincy. Um, and that was part of the kind of conversation that was happening. Is that why? Because he failed the physical? I mean, I don't think so. He obviously was going to fail the physical. He's needed surgery. He hasn't gotten surgery. I think part of it is just he's requested a trade out of town. And if you're the Buffalo Sabres and you're going through yet another rebuild, do you want the face of the franchise, the guy wearing the C, to be somebody who doesn't actually like or want to be in Boston or Buffalo and who is pretty much looking for any way to get out? Um, so it's not crazy to me that they stripped him of the captaincy doesn't happen too often in the nhl certainly not for something like this i think this might be the first time that something like this has happened in terms of the stalemate between the player and the team and the other side of this coin is is he going to get traded and i think the problem is he failed the physical he needs surgery and unless another team is willing to trade for him and is willing to let him get the surgery he is choosing and wants to get, which is a huge financial risk. Yeah. I don't see how the Buffalo Sabres get enough back in value. I don't think they're going to get the draft pick compensation they want. I don't think they're going to get the player prospect compensation back that they want because there's just too much up in the air. Mm-hmm. A team could fork up three first-round picks and a couple prospects, and then he gets the surgery and can never play hockey again or comes back and he's half the player that he was. And now you have a $10 million cap hit for five years and, and you know, it turns out to be a terrible decision. So that's, it's a tough situation, but at the end of the day, my opinion is I'm not surprised they were stripped him of the captaincy. I don't think he wants to be there. I don't think the team necessarily wants him to be there. I think they're either trying to trade him as soon as possible but I don't know. It's going to be hard. I don't think anyone's going to want him till he gets a surgery of some kind. Yeah. No, I, what do you I, think? I agree with you in that, uh, you know, it's very high risk and, you know, the team is paying him $80 million and, uh, but at the same time, you know, it's his body and he should, I mean, he, I, I'm pretty sure he gets the final say in the, what surgery he wants to get. It's just, Buffalo I think that's could, the problem. Could terminate think, his contract or, or I think whatnot. the problem is the answer to your question is no. I think that's the issue. I think the I think if he was allowed to just go and get the surgery he wanted to get, he would have done it by now. Mm-hmm. I think he needs the team's permission. Then if that's the case, then <laughs> I know what you mean. Like yeah. it, it really is one of those situations where what do you do? Like there's a stalemate. This guy wants this, that mm-hmm. the team wants that. It's really hard to find a middle ground when you're talking about apples and oranges, yeah. right? Like it's this surgery or this surgery. Yeah. They're both surgeries, but you can't really compromise and be like, Oh, here's a third surgery. That's a little bit in between yeah, the other no, two. You know what I mean? For sure. So it, it puts them in a weird spot, but the thing that's just sad about all this is like Jack Eichel, is a phenomenal hockey player. 
He's only right. 24. We're talking, <laughs> we're talking about a 24-year-old hockey player who, when he is fully healthy, playing on bad Buffalo Sabres oh, yeah. teams, was able to put up at least a point per game, sometimes even more than a point per game. Like He is a legitimate like number superstar. one true center yep. superstar in the NHL. Yep. And it's going to be yet another season that's lackluster for Buffalo, but also for the NHL. You're missing one of your superstars. So I think that's probably why the NHL asked to set up a meeting because really right now, nobody's winning. The NHLPA is not happy. The NHL is not happy. The Sabres aren't happy. Eichel's camp isn't happy. This is just not a great situation for anybody. No. And I don't really see the light at the end of the tunnel unless one of the two blinks first. It's true. Yeah. Or a team it's a, it's a, is willing to, you know, take on the financial burden. I hear that Buffalo yeah. is still asking like a, a lot for him, obviously, um, mm-hmm. but they're treating him as like as if he didn't have an injury and that's what they're asking they're asking prices basically it's if he was normal jack eichel so. yep and you, you know you can't blame them for that they mm-hmm. got they have to go for it they have yeah. to try to get what they can yeah. get for it, right it is what it is at the end of the day but yeah it, it's one of those things where maybe maybe the outcome is at a certain point we don't know how long it's going to be or how long it's going to take but yeah maybe the the sabers just decide okay this is the best package we can get for him let's send him to a team that's willing to let him get the surgery that he wants and is willing to take on the money. I just don't know, like in a full rebuild and you got a guy like Jack Eichel, if, if they can do that, they might have to, they might not have a choice. Right. Yeah. Damn. Well, sad situation. Hopefully it gets resolved at some point, hopefully in the near future. I just, it's hard because if you're like a legit Stanley cup threat, and you like first of all who has 10 million dollars in cap space if you're making a run you know what i mean for yeah. the stanley cup oh, right yeah. now not not a whole lot of teams will have that flexibility in cap well, space. not to mention if you were to get him he'd have to get the surgery and then recover and it is like back surgery too this is not just any you old you know so, so that's that's <laughs> really that's the second point is that's it what like you trade for him great then he gets the surgery then he has rehab do you even get him this season? Do you even get him in time for playoffs, right? Like, yeah. I know it's a long-term investment in the sense of he has five years left on the contract, but who knows, maybe dollars on the cents, or sorry, cents on the dollar, maybe even like a rebuilding team that's up and coming would consider it. Maybe like the New Jersey Devils would consider making a pitch or an offer for him. Maybe even a team like Detroit. I don't know, Stevie Eisenman always finds a way to freaking rip off other that's GMs true. in this league. Like, I don't know how he does it, but maybe somebody like... Stevie Y is able to steal him away and get, you know, some type of compensation and he doesn't need him to play right now. In fact, he doesn't want him to play right now because he would rather get the the draft picks in and be able to build around him, right? Yeah, a team that potentially, I guess you're saying, could break out in like two or three seasons from now would, you know, try and make a trade and, you know, they have the parts in place that can will get better and that they can still trade away and whatnot. And then you... You know, your team's on the up up and up, and then you get Jack Eichel to come in there, and that's just the boost you need to, you know, or the last piece type thing. Exactly. No, you're exactly. You're 100% correct. And then, you know, he like you already said this, he's 24. <laughs> like, even if you trade for him now, he gets the surgeries out for a season, he comes mm-hmm. back. I mean, you're hoping he's yeah. the same player, which, I mean, all of us are. Yeah. 
but yeah, and then all of a sudden you talk about a place like Detroit and you have Jack Eichel and Dylan Larkin as your number one, number two centers. Hey, I'm not too upset with that with Ndelkovic as the goalie and, you know, they start to bring in some more pieces and some more draft picks and who knows, right? We'll see what happens. There was some talk about Minnesota, but Minnesota in not this season, but next season and the season after that have like, it's like ridiculous, probably 10 to $15 oh, yeah. million dollars in dead cap space. Yeah. So I don't even know if they'd be able to hold on to his contract. They might have to flip him, but is it worth it to trade for him? Let him get the surgery, come back. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens, but it's, it's a sticky situation. Why don't we move on though? That's, that's enough about this situation for now. And we can always come back to it as things develop. Sure. Okay. So, uh, next question or what are your thoughts on the Seattle Kraken this year? Would you like to go first? Cause I feel like you are somewhat positive on this team based on the fact that you chose them to finish third in the division. <laughs> well, I'm just positive in that, you know, for fun, for chaos, ultimate chaos, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and to clarify, for those of you wondering, we would be talking about the Seattle Kraken in the Pacific division this year. So they would be playing against teams like uh, the Ducks, the Flames, the Oilers, the Kings, the Sharks, the Canucks, and the Golden Knights. So I think most of us would assume the Golden Knights are probably the lock in that division. Maybe the Oilers, if you're confident in that goaltending tandem again this year. But there's not a whole lot of other teams that are, you know, jumping out at you. Jumping to, out at you. Some teams really that should third. bounce back. Yeah. But I can see where you're coming. If we're talking about the team roster, if we're talking about anything like that, does anything stand out to you about this team? What What do you like about them? Do you like the goaltending? The goaltending like- looks pretty solid in that, you know, Philip Gruvar played really well in Colorado. Um, obviously, the outcome wasn't ideal in that they didn't win the Stanley Cup, but and he did have some some injuries, I believe, uh, in one of the seasons or one of the runs they had. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when Hutchison had to yeah. play. That was, that was the bubble. That that's was true. the bubble. That is true. And then uh, Chris Drieger played himself into a, like a number one starting role on Florida last season. So you know, with this tandem, there's you know basically a one A one B, which is the trend of the NHL, and they've both showed that they can you know win games in the NHL. So I think, um, like you said before, or you said is that just like Vegas how you know they kind of built from the goaltending out with uh, Marc-Andre Fleury as their star piece to start their franchise yeah no I certainly agree on that front for sure in terms of uh, working from the back end out right you talk about that and then you talk about their defense like Mark Giordano's there Jamie Alexiak Adam Larson Larson, Vince Dunn Carson Soucy some of the other guys too like Hayden Fleury that's that's not an awful no. defensive setup, right? If you're talking about, you know, Giordano, Alexiak, Larson, Dunn as like a top four kind of role. And yeah, I can see I can see in terms of optimism, in terms of the division they're in. And like you said, back out goaltending defense, pretty solid. I think they're lacking for sure up front mm-hmm. on the offensive side. But then again, a lot of people said that about the Golden Knights. And you're right. The Golden Knights came out and William Carlson scored over 40 yeah. goals. So, so like, who's going to be you know what I mean? William Carlson? <laughs> who's going to be the William Carlson here? Um, I do like the, like some of their forwards. I, I really think Jared McCann's going to have a breakout season. I think they're going to put him on the number one line. I think he's going to play number one power play minutes. 
he scored a ton of power play points playing at Pittsburgh last year. And I think given the opportunity, he'll do great. I know Yanni Gord is injured, but when he gets back, I think they're really going to give him an opportunity to be either a number one center or a number two center, Mm -hmm. which will obviously be something that is incredibly uh, good for them. They have Jordan Eberle. Yeah. Jordan Eberle is a solid, talented, can score goals, good player. Jaden Schwartz, if he's not injured, came over from St. Louis. He signed as a free agent. But there's a guy who, you know, just injury troubles, obviously. But the skill is there. The talent is there. And, you know, they have some other guys in the team that I think will will end up playing well for them and, and moving forward. Here's my concern. Here's my hesitation. You talked about back and out. I don't know if I'm sold on Philip Grubauer. That's my concern. And hear me out because we're talking about a guy who could have won the Vezina Trophy last year. We're talking about a guy who has really put together three, four, even five seasons in a row that have been some pretty solid hockey. My hesitation is he played for the Colorado Avalanche, who were absolute juggernauts yeah. the last two, three seasons. And before that, he played for the Washington Capitals when they were absolute juggernauts in the NHL. So my hesitation is you're paying this guy now basically $6 million a year, 5.9. $6 million a year to be your number one goalie and to carry you as a number one goalie. This is not the Washington Capitals he played on. This is not the Colorado Avalanche he played on. I'm curious to see how Philip Grubauer does in the starting role on a team. As we said, I don't think they're the worst team in the league on paper, but I definitely don't see them being juggernauts uh, by any you know, any stretch of the imagination. So I'm curious to see how that works out. I think they were pretty set on Dreger being the starting goalie, but I mm-hmm. think they just felt they could get Grubauer at a good price. And yeah. and they just basically outbid Colorado. And Colorado had a certain limit and decided this is our limit. It, it kind of reminds me of the Ndalkovich situation a little bit where yeah. they know Grubauer. He's played for them for a few years. He almost won the Vesna Trophy. Why do you let him walk? Well, maybe they see hesitations. Maybe they see it every day in practice. Maybe they see it every day with his work ethic. I don't know. I'm not going to question him personally or you know anything like that. I don't know it. But I would like to see him do it for a team that's not a, a perennial juggernaut. I'd yeah. like to see him be a, no, a true number one. Because 5.9 mil, I don't know about you, man. I think I'd rather have Jakob Markstrom at six. Yeah, no, for sure. Markstrom at six or Grubauer at 5.9. What do you think? I'd probably They're take close enough uh, in age. Markstrom as well. Right? Like maybe one or two years difference, but pretty close in age. So I am excited about this defense though. Like Adam Larson yeah. was like kind as of much a, as flack he gets. Yeah. A polite like see you later to Edmonton because everyone was saying that they offered him basically the exact same deal. Same number of years, same money. Yeah. And he signed with Seattle. So I don't know what that says about the Oilers organization or how they treated him or maybe how the fans treated him. Maybe he just felt like he overstayed his welcome and Hey, it is what it is. But I think him and Alexiak are going to bring some real grind and pounding in that back end, man. Oh, yeah. And Giordano be and Vince tough to Dunn. Play against them. Yeah. And Giordano and Vince Dunn are both very talented players, talented hockey players. So yeah, we'll see with uh, Vince Dunn you know, he's going to get opportunity and some more ice time. He doesn't, he's not behind, Petrangelo before and Perieco and 
Justin yep. Falk and all of like you know Corey St. Krug. Louis, yeah, St. Louis's decor. So now he's he's got a fresh start. So yeah, I'm excited to see what happens. We'll see. I, I mean, I I do think they have a, at least a shot just because of their the division that they're mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. But for me, it, I think you're right in terms of building back out. I guess for me, I'm just a little a little concerned yeah, yeah. what that back end is. Right. I get it. Um, I mean, you're not getting you know, former Stanley cup winner, Mark Andre Fleury, like Vegas had. So it's (laughs) the proven winner. Um, But we'll see. I think, like I said, I'm kind of going for some chaos here. I want to see, you want to see the new expansion teams do well because it, it just shows, you know, like anybody can win and gives you kind of some faith rather than, you know, back in the 90s when you had like Ottawa join or Tampa Bay or Florida and, you know, they just, or Atlanta and I mean, Atlanta's not even a franchise now again. Yeah. Um, and they just weren't given a really good opportunity to succeed. So you just, mm-hmm. they're just like at the bottom for like the next five seasons or whatever it may be. And what does that do? It it alienates the fans. Yeah. Like whoever is a real true diehard hockey fan is still gonna watch those teams, but you need to build up that buzz. Like think about Vegas right now. Like for sure. I know there's a lot of real hardcore hockey fans in Vegas, but there's probably also a lot of people who just enjoy the atmosphere, the environment, and going to games because they're just a good team. Yeah. And because so many people are watching them right now. And you're right, if you give a team like Seattle like such a bad team that they're going to do so poorly for five, six, seven seasons. Are you really creating an atmosphere where a fan base can truly latch on and, and grow and you can start to see hockey being a little bit more relevant? Yeah. Because I mean, you know, this is a hockey podcast, but you talk about the Seattle Seahawks and you talk about what is, what are they known for? They're known for their crazy fans. Fans, They're known for having one of the loudest stadiums in all of football. So if you can take some of that and you can put it into the hockey team in Seattle, and like you said, if you can have a team that's even mediocre to begin with and they win some games and they're in a playoff push, you know, in the middle or near the end of the season, yeah, I think that'd be great for the league. I think it'd be great for Seattle. I think it would be great for pretty much everybody. All right, you have asked, oh, we both kind of asked each other a question at this point, but the next part that we were going to talk about is our beloved Maple Leaf. Would uh, would you like to start or would you like me to start? You can start. All right. I think you had better things to say. You ranked them higher in (laughs) in the last podcast. Yes. So if you remember in the last podcast, I ranked the Maple Leafs to finish second place in the Atlantic Division. Marcus, a true diehard Maple Leafs fan, is still not over the last (laughs) collapse in the playoffs. He says they will have to fight for a wildcard spot. He does not believe in the team. Um, I'm not offended. I can see it both ways. I just, this team has too much talent. That's just the way I see it. The defensive core last year was so good for this team, which is an anomaly. We haven't had a solid decor in a long time in Toronto and we kept them. We have the same guys coming back. Bogosian. The only loss is Zach Bogosian, but with the new cross-checking rules coming into play, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Cause I That's feel true. like Bogosian probably would have ended That's up in the penalty box even more than he did yeah. <laughs> the last season. And, you know, not to take away from that, it's nice to have that sandpaper finish, obviously, but yeah, like 
just that defensive core we have is solid in front of a good duo. And I know we lost Anderson, but Jack Campbell emerged as a starter last year. Mm -hmm. First round draft pick took a while. You know, some things kind of happened. He ended up playing in the minor leagues for a while, finally came up, got his opportunity, and he ran with it. He set an NHL record for the most number of wins uh, consecutively to start a season. He backstopped the Maple Leafs to an incredible record last year. He was not the reason why they lost in the first round to the Montreal Canadiens. He showed up and he performed in the playoffs last year. He, excuse me, he made some incredible saves. He really stood on his head in that series. I don't blame him at all for it. I think if you're talking about that and the fact that we're bringing in Peter Mrazek, Mrazek, who, sure, he's had some injury history, but so did Freddie. Mm And I think at this case, you're bringing in a guy who has had the opportunity to be a 1B for a long time. And I think that's important because we've already mentioned it a few times. This is kind of the direction of the league. They're going to this 1A, 1B goaltending duo tandem. You don't want guys to play too many games. You don't want guys to get injured. You don't want guys to put too many mileage on those knees as goaltenders. Keeps everybody fresh, keeps everybody, you know, in the place they need to be. Look at Carey Price, right? We're talking about a guy who was literally the best goalie on the planet for a number of years, hands down, no questions asked. He's now dealing with a lot of stuff. He's getting older. He's played a lot of games. They brought in Jake Allen. Now they have two guys who are really good goalies that can help each other and and keep it fresh. So I do like the combo of Jack Campbell and Peter Mrazek in the back end. And I do like that defensive core, right? Like TJ Brody playing with Morgan Riley on the first line. And then you got Jake Muzzin and Hall on the second line. It certainly looks like they're trying to get Sandine in there. Uh, probably Travis Dermott's going to be in there as well as our bottom pair. Yep. You know, we've got a couple other guys who could potentially push for spots as well, including Lilligren. Lilligren. But that's a solid decor with solid goaltending, and we haven't even gotten to the best part yet. <laughs> we have Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and John Tavares and William Nylander on this hockey team. We have guys who are absolutely the most talented hockey players. They are ridiculous. Austin Matthews is insane. This dude's shot, this dude's angle, this dude's release. Like, it's, it's, it reminds me of Ovechkin. It reminds me of, hey, any NHL team in the league, you know this area over here on the half wall by those hash marks in the circle? Yeah, don't let Ovechkin stand here because he's going to score a goal from here. And every team in the league is like, yeah, yeah, we know, we know, we know. (laughs) This dude's chasing Wayne Gretzky for the most goals in the NHL. Sometimes you just have players where it doesn't matter because they're just that good. Austin Matthews is just that good. He is such a talented player. He is going to score a ton of goals in his career, hopefully all of them with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And matching him with Mitch Marner, who is one of the best playmakers and passers in the league, plays the PK, plays the power play, gets a ton of steals in the game. I know people were down with the playoffs. Heck, I was too. You know, that one penalty where he shot it over the glass, yeah, I was yelling at the screen as well. But don't forget, this is a guy who finishes top 10 in the league in points every year. Like, he is a ridiculous hockey player. He does everything for this club. Power play, penalty kill, I already mentioned it. He's not just somebody who goes on the ice and scores goals on the power play, right? Like, he has that. That's... um, flexibility to be able to play in different situations which really helps the Leafs because they haven't actually had the best penalty kill 
in previous years. This past year was actually pretty, yeah, good. pretty good. Now yeah. they're bringing in David Kampf, who's supposed to be very good on the penalty kill as PK a centerman. PK specialist, probably going to play with Marner. Face and, offs. you know, we got Muzzin and Hall too, right? So that's a pretty solid uh, PK specialist going on right there. The only thing that concerns me really is just the power play. I don't understand on a team with so much firepower how they don't score more goals. It is what it is at the end of the day. Well, Hopefully, it gets hot and it gets really cold. <laughs> yeah, but the problem is it gets hot at the beginning of the season yeah. every year, and then it gets and cold. Near figures the end, out their strategy, and then it's ice cold in the playoffs, which is not what you need. You need power play goals in the playoffs, especially if they're going to start calling this cross checking oh, yeah. more often. So. I still think they have the talent. I think back and out, this is a very complete team. People can talk about depth on the forward group all they want. I don't care. You're still going to get a ton of goals from the top two lines. Marner Matthews playing together. Tavares Nylander playing together. They're going to score goals for you. And don't forget, Jason Spezza has been a respectable like 0.5 point per game in the last two seasons for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, there is depth scoring on this team, maybe not as much as you want. Maybe guys like Mikheyev can put the puck in the back of the net a little more. If Engvall actually gets any playing time this year, maybe we could see him put the puck in the back of the net a little bit more. But you still well, got they did guys. try and address that. I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. They got yeah. Kasha, they got Richie, and they got Bunting. You know, those are three that can easily slide top nine, right? They can yeah. play on your top line. They can play on your third line. So they'll definitely add some extra grit and some scoring. So I agree I, for I don't sure. disagree with you. I, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just looking you, at the you other can. teams. This is a podcast. You can say whatever you <laughs> that's want. That's true. That's true. This well, is your opinion. I mean, I'm I'm a little skeptical on the defense. Um, don't I think I think their defense was great last season, but I think it also helped with uh, Zach Bogosian adding kind of like that calming just bruiser presence in the back that can like kind of save you or and he it's not like he just always shot it off the wall he could make a, a good pass out of the zone outlet pass yeah a good outlet pass and you know he, he helped kill penalties too yeah yeah missing him on the pk for sure but i do think that muzzin and hall were the usually still yeah, on the yeah. pk unless they were just on the ice and the one thing as well is bogosian did miss quite a bit of time with uh, that foot injury that he had right it's true so we were able to kind of bounce back. For sure, you're missing that. I don't know if you're missing it enough to go from the first place team. I know it was the Canadian division, but first place team in a division all the way down to like fourth, fifth, like you're saying in terms of fighting for that wildcard spot. I don't know if a third pairing defenseman is going to be the make or break of that kind of significant drop. But hey, maybe you're right. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to be even better this year because they got Zach Bogosian back. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but to me, I see the Maple Leafs as a true, all the way through, solid squad. I see them finishing second. I will never bet against Tampa Bay, especially after back-to-back Stanley Cups. You just can't. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see how Boston does with Ulmark in that. You know, these guys are getting a little bit older, like we talked about last podcast. Yeah. And like you said, David Krejci's gone. That is somebody who for years and years did not get his due. And I think in Boston... They did give him his due. I just don't think outside of Boston people realized the significance or the importance or the impact that he had on that team and that organization. And I think that's going to be a huge miss for him, uh, for them, sorry, this season. And he's going to be a big miss for me because he was always my go-to pickup 
when I was oh, yeah. looking for a center <laughs> for the weekend fantasy because he true. would, for some reason, never be on somebody's team, but he would always get you points and power play points and get a ton of playing time. So, yeah, I'll have to figure out another guy that I'm going to be able to pick up and drop. I'm thinking probably Jeff Carter this year. <laughs> it's probably going to fill that role for me. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's my opinion. And like you were saying, Florida, I think they're going to do well again. I think they got a solid squad too. I'm just, I don't know what's going to happen with goaltending because I don't know, without Dreger last year, I don't know that they do as well as they did. Maybe they do. Maybe the team's so good it doesn't matter what goalie's playing in net. I'm curious to see how Spencer Knight does. But if Brabovsky does not bounce back this year, that team is going to be hurting for goaltending because you don't want to throw Spencer Knight into the Carter Hart conversation too early, too often. Mm -hmm. If he goes through a bad stretch, does that mess with his mental capacity and the role? Who knows, right? So a lot of what-ifs in that case. And And what about Montreal? What about Montreal? Montreal, it's hard. Like, I think they have a good team, and I think it's one of those things where every year is better than you. No, it's not that. It's just every year there's regular season teams and playoff teams. And I think Montreal, I think the Islanders, I think Boston, um, you know, I think St. Louis, I think these teams that are a little bit heavier and wear you down. I think these teams, once they get to the playoffs Mm -hmm. are significantly better than in the regular season. And, I think it has to do with the way the penalties are called or not called in yeah. the playoffs. Oh yeah. And it's kind of just like a running gunning style. And you can like the top four defensemen for Montreal last playoffs, just basically beat the wheels off of people. And that was what they did. And at the end of the day, they were able to do it in the playoffs and they were able to get through, but you can't understate the loss of Shea Weber here. You can't yeah. understate the loss of the captain of the guy that every other team's players are looking on the ice and saying, where is he? Stay the heck away from him. Dump it into the other corner. I'm rushing down the other side of the ice with him out of the lineup. I don't know. I think it makes a big difference. Oh, for sure. It's a big loss for them. Huge loss, right? And at the end of the day, I think that's going to be a really big problem for them. I, I think Durant will come back. I think he'll have a good year. I still like their forward group. I like Josh Anderson. I like, um, obviously, what... Um, they added Hoffman. Uh, they got Nick Well, Suzuki. I was going to say what Toffoli did last year. Oh, yeah, Toffoli and Cole Caulfield. And now they added in Hoffman. I think Cole Caulfield is going to have a huge breakout year. I, I don't see them as a bad team. I really don't. I just don't know if I would... I still they're think not, Tampa and Toronto... Above. Yeah. I still think Tampa and Toronto have better teams overall on paper. I like Montreal's offense, but I don't see them. I mean, Cole Caulfield could develop, but I don't see them as having the same game breakers. Mm -hmm. Like you look at Tampa Bay, you look at Kucherov, you look at Braden Point, you look at Steven Stamkos, you look at some of these guys where it's like, there's nothing, nothing's happening. There's no play. And all of a sudden, boom, goal. Why? Because they're just that good. You look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, you look at Matthews, you look at Marner, you look at Tavares, you look at Nylander. Sometimes it's a simple play. You're looking at it. You're like, ah, nothing's developing. Goal, right? And I feel like Montreal maybe is just a little bit more, you know, they have to use the cycle. They have to be a little bit more of a team-minded offensive attack as opposed to like, although, like I said, Cole Caulfield might be that answer. and he might end up scoring 40 goals this year and might basically throw this right back in my face. And that's okay. 
But uh, yeah, at the end of the day, I think those game breakers is what makes the difference because Carey Price is Carey Price in the playoffs. He has not really been Carey Price in the regular season for like two, two, maybe even three seasons now. So I don't know that he would be enough to carry them to the playoffs. If they make the playoffs, would they, could they make another run? Certainly. I don't see why not. But I don't know if that's the case. If they don't make the playoffs, I think that's a huge loss for them because they need to try to make the playoffs every single year that Carey Price is still there. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, uh, you know, you make some really valid points. I think, you know, maybe part of me, why my decision, I put them at fourth is... I'm just still hurting from the past couple seasons, <laughs> you know, like the season, not this past season, but the bubble season, you know, they, they were barely in the playoffs. They were like eighth and they lost to Columbus. So, and I'm just always thinking about those playoff losses or, you know, they can't perform in the playoffs. And it's just, I guess that's just in the back of my head. And I just like, yeah, they may be like a decent regular season team, but for some reason I put them in fourth and I just don't think they're, I don't know if they've changed enough to really get out, get over that hump. Uh, obviously I think they, like Dubis thinks it's got to be internally and, you know, I, I agree. And you, you're not going to be able to just get somebody at 700K or 750K that's going to just be a game breaker and, you know, just flick the switch for them. But Jason Spezza. Jason's okay. Other than Jason Spezza, my mistake. <laughs> but uh, you know, he even then he's had I guess two playoffs with them, and he, they haven't gotten over that hump of getting past the first yeah. round. So no, I certainly agree. I know what you mean, dude. I I was I was way off. Like I I was so upset when they lost this yeah. year. I was angry. I think it has to do with the fact that I have a lot of family in Montreal too. So obviously they're razzing <sighs> about even it. More. Well, it's funny, like my uncle, I texted with him when the Leafs went up 3-1 mm-hmm. and he was like, wow, like this isn't even close. The Leafs yeah. are so much better, like, you know, basically kind of conceding. And I texted him back and I said, if anybody's going to find a way to lose, it's going to be the Leafs. I said, don't congratulate me until they win the fourth game. Yeah. And we all know how that turned out. So it, it took me a while. Um that's something uh, that that definitely took a while to to maybe forget about and and I think for me other sports helps like watching baseball, watching football, watching other things that you know it alleviates you thinking about hockey and thinking about the Maple Leafs. But I think also last year, just the last two seasons with the bubble and then last year with the different divisions, I'm willing to just say you know what now we're back to the Atlantic. Now we're back to the way things are supposed to be. Let's give it a real another kick at the can. Let's mm-hmm. see if we can push through with these guys because they're talented enough man they got the talent they just they need to figure out the mental aspect because that's clearly what's holding them back because the last game against montreal in that series the last game against columbus in the series before and the last game against the boston bruins two seasons two series ago two seasons in the playoffs ago those were like three of the worst games i think i've ever seen the maple leafs play like from puck drop yeah. right at the beginning of the game, you could just tell they were going to lose the game. They just, they had already defeated themselves and beaten themselves in their head. Like it was just one of those things. So that's something that we can talk about later on, but playoffs is playoffs. Yeah. We got to make regular the playoffs season, first. Yeah. And I do think that they will be a good regular season team. So that's my opinion. 
you have your opinion. It's good that people differ on these opinions. And at the end of the day, we will be able to figure out what happens later on in the season. And we'll see what happens. And we'll see who's right and who's wrong. And Don't get me wrong. Day, I want to be wrong. I want to. I want the Leafs to be number one. <laughs> <laughs> For up to me, I'd want them to go 82-0. and 0. I don't care. But <laughs> you'll, uh, you'll plan the parade. Yeah. <laughs> you'll single-handedly plan the parade. Yeah. So... It is what it is. And by the way, me saying they're finishing second place in our division doesn't mean that I think they're going to do well in the playoffs. I just think they're going to do well in the regular season. So we'll, we'll have that. Those questions come up later on in this podcast for sure. But So for those of you who listened to the last podcast, we did a 10-team mock draft. This time we're going to be doing a 12-team mock draft. Basically just recognizing that people have different sizes of leagues and recognizing even that our own league, right, Marcus? We've had Mm -hmm. seasons with 10 teams. We've had seasons with 12 teams. It kind of fluctuates. Um, I think the standard for for the most part is usually 12-team leagues, but 10 teams seems to be something that we have tended to do over the years. So that's why we like to do both of those mock drafts to let you know how it's going. All right, I'm going to ask you. You have some players lined up there, is that correct? Yeah, mostly value. I don't know about sleeper, but sounds good. Some late so round I'm going to ask Marcus. Yeah, I'm going to ask Marcus a little bit about some of the value picks that he sees. So basically, what we're talking about is we have both done several mock drafts at this point, and we're just taking a look. And by the way, when we say the mock drafts, we're talking about on um, Yahoo. That's the website that we use. So we kind of go based on the rankings that Yahoo has. Um, if you're using a different platform, perhaps you don't have the same rankings and maybe some of the stuff we talk about is a little bit uh, different for you. But either way, standard stuff, goals, assists, plus, minus, power play points, shots on goals, hits, and then for goalies, wins, goals against, average, save percentage, and shutouts. So that's what we're looking at. Marcus, where do you see value in mock drafts right now? Ooh, value. Um I would say, you know, some like it seems like Patrick Lyonnais is going pretty low. I think you can definitely get some real good scoring winger value from Patrick Lyonnais. Um, I think Yahoo's projecting him at about like 60 something points. So you get like 30, 30 plus goals and 30 plus assists. So uh, he'll definitely get you <laughs> a lot of shots. Um, his plus minus may not be there, but yeah. um, I think at where he seems to be going, I think you can definitely get some good value out of him for, especially for the winger position. Cause you know, as you know, a lot of the top end winger talent tends to get picked up quick. And like you said, in your strategy last podcast, there's a lot of centers available, but the winger depth isn't, isn't as there. So he's a left wing, right wing. So he's um, very uh, flexible. Combo. Yep. Um, so that's one of my, I guess, value picks later rounds. No, it's a great idea. I mean, talking about that, and and if you're somebody like us, like our league this year, we decided to get rid of plus minus. We just kind of had that conversation, decided nobody really drafts based on plus minus. They kind of just draft the player as is and what else they bring to the table. So if you're like us and you don't even have plus minus in your league, then hey, even better, even, better. even more value it's true. to have somebody like that on your team. How about you, Sean? What are your what are one of your I guess forward value picks or sleeper picks? All right, so this one is going to sound funny because I beat the drum. I beat the notion of wait on centers, wait on centers, wait on centers. I still stand by that. However, there is a trend that I'm noticing in most of these mock fantasy drafts of John Tavares. Uh, he is going like 
around the fourth round in a lot of these mock drafts that I'm doing. And whether it's 10 team or 12 team, it, it seems really odd to me, but he is going like in the 40s in terms of players being selected. It was literally last year that he was being drafted in the second round. All of a sudden, he is now being drafted somewhere in the fourth round. I don't know if people are a little bit shaken because he went from 47 goals to however many goals he had last year. But don't forget, last year was a shortened season. And he played with Mitch Marner in his first year, whereas he played a lot with Nylander this past season. He is still a phenomenal player. He brings extreme value in terms of face-offs. He brings the power play points. He brings goals. He brings assists. This is an all-round guy who just bangs all the categories for you and gets a whack ton of points. If you miss out on those like legit top two-round centers and you're looking for a guy to anchor you as a, like a legit number one center, somewhere in the fourth round after you've taken a goalie and two wingers or a defenseman and two wingers, like this guy is screaming value at that spot, in my opinion. Oh yeah, I, it's it's strange seeing him going so low. Mm-hmm. So I, I'd agree like, with honestly, you there yeah. for sure. I, I think he's one of those guys. It's yeah, if you get him in the fourth or even if he drops to the fifth round, mm-hmm. that's a steal. Yeah, that is an absolute. Especially because you know he's a point a game player. He'll probably get you like eighty points at least. Oh yeah, like thirty and plus he, goals. And he wins a lot of faceoffs. Yeah. He's face-offs. good at faceoffs too, right? He's gonna get you power play points because he's playing on number one power play. So. With Austin Matthews, Austin and, Matthews Mitch Marner, and Mitch Marner, <laughs> which hopefully is going to be improved <laughs> this year. Hopefully they score. Well, they'll change up the strategies. Too. You know, instead of instead of Austin scoring, it'll be John Tavares. Nice. Maybe he'll get another forty-seven. Maybe he'll get crack fifty, and he'll Austin in will crack sixty. Front net presence now yep. that Hyman's gone. That's true. Um, just to give everyone a heads up, our draft is starting in about two minutes, but we're going to continue to go back and forth on value picks. Are you okay to do that while we draft yeah, as well, Mark? for sure, for sure. All right, cool. So who um, is your next value pick? Another one that's, um, you know, a solid guy that just, it's late round, late, late, probably like eighth round, I'd say, is um, Anze Kopitar. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's probably the guy that's got a score on that team. Um, he's very defensively, which doesn't really show up much in fantasy, but he'll get you face-offs, and he's probably good for at least 60 points. So um, he's going to play like every night. I'd, I'd say if you're looking for – if you go with Sean's strategy and not picking up centers, this is a center that you can get very late, and he'll still give you tremendous value. Yeah, that's a fantastic pick right there. And like I said, around that – round like eighth round whatever there's always that like stack of centers there's mm-hmm. like you know the the if, if you're looking at the queue or whatever you're looking at the rankings it's like always like five to six guys like usually five out of ten are like centers at that point because yeah. everybody's already picked up centers so that that is a phenomenal value at that round as well i'm gonna go around that same round as well i'm looking around eighth eighth to tenth round i'm looking at Jakob chitrin mm. out of uh out of arizona Dude, this guy scored a ton of goals last year. Like he had 20 goals as a defenseman, right? And that's a shortened season we're talking about. Yep. So we're talking about extreme value. We're talking about power play specialists. He's got a cannon of a shot. I don't know if you remember his draft breakout. year. He he was actually projected. So before his eligible draft year, so the year prior to that, people were actually ranking him number one overall. 
And then the draft year happened. Yeah. And he got injured. And he ended up going 15th overall. Dude, this this guy is extremely talented. And don't forget OEL, Oliver Ekman Larson. Yep. Gone. So Jakob Chitrin is gonna get all those times. Oh, yeah. Everything. Um, our draft has started. McDavid went first overall. I have the second pick. It's a toss-up between Leon Dreisidel and Nathan, Nathan McKinnon. McKinnon. They're both solid picks. I'm gonna go with Dreisidel. Main reason being here, the center slash left wing. I'm going to go with the value pick. You can't go wrong. If you think McKinnon's going to get more points, pick McKinnon. I wouldn't wouldn't fault you for that. That's very true. So this is pretty consistent. I don't know if you've noticed this, but to me it seems like Kucherov is typically going fourth. Mm -hmm. After the big trio of uh, McDavid, Drysaddle, and McKinnon, oftentimes I see Kucherov coming off the board fourth overall. And then it's Vasilevsky. <laughs> I was going to say, oh. you picked him fifth overall too. So Marcus has the eighth pick. All right. So Vasilevsky, Rantanen, and Matthews went off the board. Brad Marchand or David Pasternak. That's probably right. who I'm going to so go with. you're looking with. at the perfection line. Do you want a left wing or a right wing? I have no idea. I would probably go David Pasternak because I, I just can't stand Brad Marchand. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting, interesting. Um, yeah, it's a good pick. Can't go wrong with either of those guys, to be honest. Depending on your league, like if you're in a banger league or something with hits and blocks and pims and things like that, maybe Marshawn gets you a few more categories. But I think at the end of the day, uh, Past is going to score more goals. So yeah. if your league emphasizes goal scoring, you're going to want to go with him. All right, so after that, we had Panarin, Marshawn, Ovechkin, Barkov. Wow, somebody jumped the gun on that. And Mitch Marner, not overly surprising. Marks you up in a few more picks. All right, Makar, Crosby, Zabinijad. Love Zabinijad. I miss the days when I could draft him in the 12th round. Yeah, definitely value pick there way back when. Oh, screaming value. All right, so I I'm traded. looking at uh, Jonathan Huberdeau or uh, Patrick Kane right now for my team. Probably going to with uh, Patty Kane. Right Never wings. a bad pick. <laughs> Perennial Patty Kane gets a ton of points. Yeah, so Patty Kane goes. We got Huberto, Aho, Point, Leonard, Carlson, Fox, all those guys on the board still. I uh, I traded for Zubinijad last year. He was ha- he had a horrible first half of the season. And he scored and, what five goals in a game. And I I just had a feeling he was going to bounce back. So I made an offer to my buddy. Uh, I think it was. I don't know. I want to say Mars show somebody from Vegas who had a really hot first half. And at the time I like lost the trade, like all the experts said that and even asking my buddies, but I just had a feeling and he went off. Well, he's always <laughs> done you justice. He's always, he has, you know, given you so much, so much fantasy value. And we'll talk about, you know, value, like trade value and stuff like that too, at some point. And I'm sure I'll get you to, all right, you're up. Get people to consider trading for him at some point. All right, I'm up. Brady. Do I do I take your boy Brady here? I could. Could. I like Shveshnikov here. I like Kaprizov a lot. I'm a big fan. I'm not ready to take a defenseman. I'm not ready to take a goalie. I certainly am not taking a centerman. I'm going to go with Shveshnikov here. I'm expecting a big year out of him. I like that he's left right. And one of the things people don't realize is he throws a lot of hits. He had 114 hits last year in a shortened season. They're projecting him wow. at 154 hits this year. 
You know those Russians, man. They like to throw the body around. And uh, Stamkos went after me and Kemper. So guess what? I, I still get my pick at Kaprizov, oh, and I still get my pick at Kachuk here. So There's Hellebuck I, as well. I know. That's actually really tempting. <laughs> that is really tempting. Ooh. Yeah, that's a tough choice. I'd be happy with Hellebuck here. I think I'm going to take Hellebuck. Get that one goalie if you're going my strategy. I'm going to go Marks' strategy here. I think Hellebuck is going to get a ton of starts. You I think the Winnipeg him. Jets yep. are going to have a phenomenal season, and I am more than happy to take him with my third pick, backed up by Leon Dreisaitl and uh, Shveshnikov. That's a good value right there, third round. Oh, yeah. Adam Fox. I think he'll have another big year, too. I think some people are a little afraid because he kind of came, not came out of nowhere, but mm-hmm. I don't think people are expecting him to win the Vesna last year. Oh, wow. Wow. Somebody took Matthew, Matthew Kachuk ahead of Brady Kachuk. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> I don't know if they knew which Kachuk they were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> they, they they drafted the wrong Kachuk. Yep. You know what? Matthew Kachuk's also phenomenal Oh, he's still player. very good. Don't get me wrong. Oh, look who's available. Oh, and he's still he there looked... for Marcus. Although With I was really looking at Hedman. But yes. 32nd pick. Marcus gonna is going to take Brady Kachuk. <laughs> Um, before that, Hedman, Kaprizov, Adam Fox did go as well. I love Kaprizov in the third, fourth round, man. I think he's going to be a big-time player. I think next year he'll move up. People will probably draft him in the second round, maybe even first round next year. Mm-hmm. I know we, I don't have him on my list of values, but I still see that as a value, especially for a left-wing slash right-wing. That's very true. There goes uh, UC Saros and, and uh, Jake Gensel. I really like Saros too. I know people are a little bit hesitant because Nashville's going to have a bad year, but dude, look at his numbers from last year. <laughs> Nashville had a bad year last year too, and he carried my fantasy playoff team. Um, I actually picked him up as a free agent because he had a poor start to the season and somebody had dropped him. Yeah. And uh, same thing happened with Demko. Hey, Marcus, do you remember who dropped Demko? I can't remember last, last year. <laughs> well, did you see his start? <laughs> I convinced Marcus last year, for those of you wondering, to draft Thatcher Demko at the end of our draft, knowing that he would have a breakout season. Unfortunately, it took him a while to have the breakout season, and Marcus dropped him. And I ended up picking him up when he broke out, which was fantastic for my fantasy uh, team. There you oh, go. So John Tavares, 38. 38th, dude. Yeah. How does that happen? Fourth round in a 12-team league, too. Not even a 10-team league. Wow. I love John Tavares there. I don't like centers early, but I would seriously consider that. There goes Stone and Ehlers. Anyways, yeah, so got Demko from Marcus. Thank you very much. Ended up winning the league. No big deal. (laughs) Uh, Same thing with UC Saros, though. UC Saros, somebody dropped him because he had a rough start, and Rene was still playing some games before he got hurt. I ended up picking him up, and I actually used Marcus's strategy. I only had one goalie, basically, for the last third of the season and into the playoffs, and I ended up picking up uh, Nedeljkovic because he was undrafted as well and a free agent. Did I rudely talk over your pick? That's okay. It's just Dougie Hamilton. Dude, tell me to stop talking. My bad. That's okay. (laughs) I picked it quick. I was just like, oh, he's available. I'm going to take him. Ehlers, Hamilton, Landeskog. Man, Landis Cog is a good value, too, in the fourth round. He gets uh, a wide range of stats. Hits, blocks, yeah. penalty minutes, 
face-off wins, and he obviously gets a ton of points because he plays with McKinnon and Rantanen. What are you looking at for your next pick? Well, I already have a goalie, so I don't need that. Um, probably looking at a winger if there is one available. If not, I would heavily consider a defenseman. Oh, Quinn Hughes just got taken. Ooh, speaking of defensemen, ah, I know, I know Aaron Ekblad is ranked above Petrangelo, but I am a huge Petrangelo supporter, and I'm going to select him. How did he do last season in terms of on Vegas? Because I find he doesn't do as well fantasy wise as like his actual value in real life. Like yeah, in I, real life, I he's like see. a top ten defenseman in the league. But then so in fantasy in, wise, in I find he just isn't quite there. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like if you ever watch a Vegas game, like if you watch this guy play, he is in every play. He controls the puck. He's up and down the ice. When he's on the ice, you notice him. Mm-hmm. Um, Aaron Ekblad had eleven goals, eleven assists last year. If you look at Petrangelo, seven goals, sixteen assists. I know Aaron Ekblad got injured. Um, but they're projecting him at 17 goals. They're projecting uh, Petrangelo at 14 goals for this year. So honestly, pretty similar, I think, in terms of that aspect. The biggest thing with um, Petrangelo is he is a shot hog. <laughs> this guy has a ton of shots constantly. All right, I am up again. Aaron Eckblad is still on the board. I am considering grabbing him at this point. But I want to make sure I get my wingers when I can get my wingers. So I see Johnny Hockey. I see that's Johnny Gaudreau. And I also see Brock Besser. I'm going to go with Johnny Gaudreau here as a left slash right wing. So it seems like we're having a little bit of technical difficulties here in terms of Marcus and I being able to speak with one another. Anyways, uh, in terms of some picks, we just had some goalies going off the board. Frederick Anderson, Sorokin's gone. The last pick I had made was Johnny Gaudreau, Aaron Eckblad off the board, JT Miller, Varlamov, Yossi, Nurse. Um, I Shea picked Theodore. Darnell. There you go, Darnell Nurse for Marcus. Good pick. McAvoy and Grubauer off the board. So really we didn't miss a whole lot in terms of the picks that were going on, except for Darnell Nurse. So you want to tell us why you picked him? He was great value for me last season. He doesn't get too many assists, but he definitely got me a lot of goals. He had 16 goals last season. Whew. He will get you some hits. He had a really good plus-minus as well, especially playing with McDavid and Dreisaitl. Yep. Seemed like a good pick to me. It's definitely a good pick. And you are up in two more selections. Rupins and Ryan O'Reilly off the board. So some center left slash center action. So people are taking probably their second centers at this point. Not me. I'll be waiting. <laughs> I don't have one yet either. I'll be waiting. My only center is Dreisaitl, but he's center slash left, so can kind of fit him in where I need to fit him in. But Barzal, Eichel, Backstrom, Malkin, Kopitar, these are all centers still available, and we are coming up to round number seven. Jack Campbell. Ooh, Marcus pulling the trigger. For a goalie. After talking trash about the Maple Leafs, he drafts the Maple Leafs goalie. Well, you know, you made some really good points, and I'm... I may be convinced. I mean, I'm, I'm always rooting for them, so I don't now think they're going to do bad. Additional but, invested interest. Yeah. It's always nice having you know a player on your home team, so you can kind of root for them too. Extra yeah. when you're watching the games. You'll be watching anyways. 
See, it's funny. I have a rule in football, fantasy football. I don't like to draft players on the Green Bay Packers because I like to watch them. But uh, hockey's a little Even different. Aaron Rodgers? Even Aaron Rodgers. I do not have Aaron Rodgers. Wow. Not, uh, yeah, not something I, I typically do, but hockey's different. Tavares, Nylander, Marner, Matthews, even Jack Campbell, like any of those guys I would be happy to have. Ooh, there goes Hanze. Mm, is gone. So last draft we did, he went 100th, and now he's went to 70th. Plots available. He should have a pretty big year. Nuge. Nuge is available as well. And we also got some defensemen here. I think I'm going to go the defenseman route. And I think I am going to go with Seth Jones because I do not have Patrick Kane and uh, Alex DeBrinkett this time. Yeah. So I have paired Petrangelo with Jones on defense, and I think that'll be a solid one-two punch. I've also got some forwards up there still too. My pick is next. Palat was taken, and Nuge was taken. Those oh, no. are the two guys I was looking at. So There's Taylor Hall. That's a left wing. Yeah, I'm also looking at uh, Radulov. I like Radulov. He gets a lot of power play points. I'm cu- really curious to see how Sam Reinhardt does this year Yeah, in a Florida uniform. I think he could have a pretty good year. He's a center and so. a left wing. Jason Robertson's available in that spot. I'm going to go with Elias Lindholm. I am a big fan of Lindholm. He is a center slash right wing. He gets a ton of faceoff wins. A lot of people don't realize he is actually the number one center for the Calgary Flames. Not he Sean plays Monahan. with not Sean Monahan. A lot of people think that maybe they're you know one A one B type style. Monahan plays with Goudreau, but uh, it is Lindholm who plays with Kachuk. Mm. So he actually gets a ton of points uh, in that offense. There goes your boy uh, Chikrin. Ah, oh, there you go. Seventy fifth overall. So. Round seven in a 12-team league. Chitrin could actually be your number one defenseman. If you did oh, not yeah. draft any defenseman before this point and you draft Jakob Chitrin here, tons of value. Like you, you should be happy that he is your number one defenseman. If you get him as your second, third, even fourth defenseman, you are laughing. Mm-hmm. All right, you're up in a couple picks here. Some goalies coming off the board, Talbot and Samsonov. So Minnesota's goalie, Washington's goalie. Then we get Heiskanen and Latang. So it's some defense coming off the board. Marcus, what are you looking at here? I'm looking at another defenseman. Um, probably leaning towards uh, Neil Pionk. I know I picked him up last draft. I'm going to pick him again. Marcus likes his guys. Yeah. Mr. Pionk coming up again. That is, uh, that's a solid pick. Ahead of the likes of Tory Krug, Drew Doughty, John Klingberg, Zach Wierenski, Uyghur, Petrie, even Thomas Shabbat. All very good defensemen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Still a solid pick. I would say Pionk oh. gets, gets you some extra hits on some there. of those guys. Oh, for sure. And if you're in a block league as well, I believe he gets a decent amount of blocks. Yeah. There goes my boy Thatcher Demko. I will continue to beat that drum. If you have the option to get him at this range, like round 7 to 9-ish, I think that that is some tremendous value. But I did the Marcus strategy, and I have Connor Hellebuck, so I am not sweating goaltenders right now. There goes Reinhardt and Wheeler after Mrazek. Wow. So somebody is uh, interested in Mrazek as the backup in Toronto, thinking maybe it will be more of a split. 
well hopefully Jack Campbell is healthy and it's not as much split or even if it is I think they're both very capable goalies I think so too I think you're right I don't think you can go wrong there they might both play it's just in terms of fantasy it's hard sometimes because Mm. you kind of you feel like maybe you need both of them you need both goalies I wouldn't sweat it too much because in fantasy hockey with so many 1A, 1B situations now, you're always going to be able to pick guys up. If you need one start here or there, that's why Mark's strategy of one really good goalie and then picking people up, dropping them, really works well in fantasy. Okay, so Tori Crew, Radulov, Caulfield. Marcus is on the clock. Oh, you know what? I'm going to go with Patrick Laine. I know it's pretty early, but... I'm going to go with Patrick Laine. All right. Mark's not messing around. He was talking about Laine as a good value pick, and yeah, he truly believes that because he is picking Patrick Laine. So that is a solid value pick here. Good for you. Sticking to your guns. And it looks like I'm coming up soon for my picks. So I'm going to take a look at who is available and who I am interested in. Nylander, Robertson, Perron. So this is right around the mark. I actually have two of these guys on my value selection. David Perron and William Nylander, both selected here in the eighth round. Those are some solid options as wingers. Those are some solid options as guys who get a ton of power play time and who put up a ton of goals and assists. I really like their value at this range. If you've missed out on wingers early in the draft, this is your chance. Take them. All right, this is where the goalies start to pack up. We got Spencer Knight, Lankinen, Blackwood, Bennington, all here back to back to back. So I am going to be looking at Nick Suzuki, Martin Nikas, Sam Bennett. I'm going to go with Suzuki here. I like Suzuki in his role this year. I think with Kock and Yemi gone and with Dino gone, He is going to be relied upon a lot by the Montreal Canadiens, and he will absolutely be getting the opportunity to prove himself as we go forward. Well, he had a big playoffs, um, so I'm definitely going to assume they're going to give him lots of opportunity, like you're saying. Oh, certainly. Certainly. He had a fantastic playoffs, and hopefully he can continue that into the season. All right, I'm at this spot now. This is a 12-team league. In the 10-team league, I got him in the 10th round. Here I'm taking him late in the 9th round. I'm going to take Evgeny Malkin. I think I've waited long enough. I think throwing him on my IR and picking him up partway through the season is going to be a huge boost to my team. Yep. And I'm taking that risk. I'm going to take Jack Eichel. (laughs) Yeah, that's a hard one. I'm, I'm really curious to see. I think in a lot of redraft leagues, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, redraft league is a league where every single season you start with zero players and you draft a brand new team. There are also keeper leagues. Keeper leagues is where you would basically have a team and you would be able to keep a certain number of players and have them carry over to your team in the future. I don't know there's going to be many redraft leagues where Jack Eichel is taken maybe with like a last two kind of picks type of thing. But in redraft leagues, I could certainly see him, uh, sorry, in keeper Keeper leagues, I could certainly see him being taken at this round. Like to get him in the ninth round, if you have a keeper league and it it might be worth the gamble for the next couple of seasons. 
For sure. So now, Marcus, you're back up. Yeah. I'm probably going to pick up a center now, as I do not have any centers. So, Jack Eichel. Yeah, that's why I said it. No, I'm going to go with uh, Nick Backstrom. Um, oh, fantastic so, Always a solid choice. pick. Definitely gets you a lot of those power play points and assists. Um, and he gets you a pretty decent amount of face-offs as well. He absolutely does. He is a phenomenal player. He plays a lot with Ovechkin. I know for a couple seasons there, they kind of experimented with Kuznetsov, but at the end of the day, I think they just have too much chemistry. Yeah. And uh, typically, Backstrom and Ovechkin end up playing together more often than not. So there goes Jack Eichel. Somebody clearly thinking this is a keeper league, taking that chance. Could be auto-picking. Could be auto-picking, potentially. John Klingberg is an interesting choice. I know for a lot of years people were very high on him, but with the emergence of Heiskanen, I feel like his value drops a little bit. If you get him this late, of course, you still have value. We're, by the way, we're on the last pick of the ninth round. But I think I prefer Uyghur. I think I would take Uyghur over Klingberg in that spot. I think I would take Shabbat over Klingberg in that spot. There's just a couple guys where... I sort of see their value a little bit higher in this range. But, hey, to each their own. All right, here come, here come the goalies. Spencer Knight taken in with the last pick of the ninth round and Carter Hart taken with the first pick of the tenth round. If Carter Hart bounces back, that is screaming value. Yep. If Spencer Knight turns out to be the starting goalie for... The Florida Panthers, that is screaming value if Bobovsky doesn't end up playing. I just can't imagine them not playing Bobovsky, though. Yeah, I think you got to, to just at least get his reps in. Hopefully, hopefully that he just comes back to form. Yeah, or even part form. Like, But with that contract, you have to, right? Even if he comes back a little bit and you're you able to trade him. Yeah, you try to pump him up a little bit and then trade him for something. Who knows, right? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, that's a tough spot because they signed him for, what, seven years? I think it was like a seven-year, 70 mil, like $10 million a year over seven years or something like that. Yeah. That was a crazy contract. It was. Is it, what, at the, the time, only, though. Is he the only other goaltender who's getting paid over $10 million? Uh, Well, Carey Price does. Yeah, that's, that's what I meant, him and, him and Carey Price. Yeah, him and Carey Price. I think Tuka Rask was making eight. I'm not sure there's anybody else that would be making more than that. Yeah. I'm trying to think of established goalies or goalies that have gotten the big ticket. But, yeah, like we were, we've been saying this for a while now, but it's really gone to that two-goalie system. So it's hard to pay guys too much because if you pay one goalie too much, you, you don't really have that opportunity for the second. All, All right, right, you're on the clock. So I'm up. Um, I'm just going to round out my defensive core. Currently, I have Dougie Hamilton, Darnell Nurse, and Neil Pionk. I'm going to just finish it off with uh, Ivan Provorov. Ivan Provorov. Very good, very good. So I have a couple of G spots open and one wing here. I think we'll only do a couple more rounds here, Marcus, before we sign out. Yeah, Tuka Rask was making $7 million. But uh, his contract has yeah. ended. Um, I'm pretty sure he's getting surgery. Yeah, he's he's injured. He'll be out for a little bit. 
they're saying there's a likely chance that Boston will sign him after the injury and he would potentially be an option come uh, playoff time. Mm -hmm. So here goes Markstrom in the 10th round. That is screaming value to me. You get a guy who's the bona fide number one there. David Riddick is gone now. He is the number one goalie. They should hopefully have a back, have a bounce back season. I also like Thomas Shabbat here too mm-hmm. in the tenth round. Okay, I am back. It is my turn. Uh, there is a lot of goalies here, right? Eh? Yeah, there's still Allmark who will get a lot of starts in Boston. I agree with that significantly. I am going to hopefully see him stay there. I am going to take Thomas Hurdle. Mm. Tomas. They took away I took his him right last wing. time. He's the only guy He's I think that double down now. on. Yeah, center slash left gets the faceoff wins, gets the power play points. He is a solid all-around player. Looks like Jared Spurgeon was taken, and then Ty Smith. So, you know what? I'm going to take a shot here on Linus Olmark, starting goalie for Boston, even though I said they're probably going to finish looking for a wildcard spot. Pulling a Marcus here. Marcus is drafting the Toronto goalie. I'm drafting the Boston goalie after we both spoke poorly of either one. Man, as, as we're kind of getting down here looking at the list, this is where a lot of those value picks come out. So yeah. I, I'm just going to say a few names as I'm going down the list here because we're in the 11th round of a 12-team draft. Some of the guys that are still available here are crazy to me. We'll let Marcus pick first. Zach Hyman, right. Joe Pavelski, Devin Taves. Just so I think if I was actually picking right now for my team, I'd probably pick Tom Wilson. Okay. But because I've got two right-wingers and for this podcast, I just want to fill out my starting team. I'm going to go with uh, Tristan Jari on the Pittsburgh Penguins to finish my right. goaltending. Marcus betting on the bounce back here. I like it. I see some tremendous value here. I see guys like guys like Kevin Fiala, Chris Kreider. If you're looking at wingers, by the way, that's what I'm talking about right now. Chris Kreider, Kevin Fiala, Dominic Kubalik, Anthony Mantha, Tuvo Teravainen is still available in this spot. Carter Verhage, who played for Florida last year, had a heck of a season. I'm curious to see how Arvidsson does in L.A., yeah. but Pavel Bushnevich, I talked about him, I think, in the last podcast. Oliver Bjorkstrand for Columbus, that dude gets points, man. Mm-hmm. And all the way down here is Tyler Toffoli. He scored 28 goals last year. They're expecting him to score 31 this year. That is some screaming value for a left-slashed-right wing. That is fantastic. The other two that are down here is Tim Stoitzel and Drake Batherson. Those are a couple of Ottawa guys that are going to have some serious power play time, and they are going to get the chance to score a whack ton of goals. Okay. It's your next pick? Yeah. All Here right. Martinez. Taylor Hall is still on the board, but I just need a center right now to finish up my team. So I'm going to go with uh, Vincent Trocek on the Carolina Hurricanes. Definitely um, provides a lot of value throughout each of the categories. You know, solid for at least 50 to 60 points. Gives you a decent amount of hits. Very uh, versatile center there. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. 
And one thing that a lot of people don't realize is ever since he moved over from Florida, he is basically a point-per-game player in Carolina. He is a legit center there. Um, I had him last year, actually, in fantasy. I ended up trading him for David Perron because I had Connor McDavid, and uh, I didn't need that many straight centers, and I was looking for a left-wing, right-wing at the time. But he was a point-per-game player, and it was an easy sell, too. So if, if you draft a guy like that and you end up picking up another center and you have too many centers, you can always trade him because people are interested in somebody like that. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Taylor Hall is still here, eh? Yeah. That is also value in the 12th round. Yeah, it's like strange. Is, uh, he's the only one who's got a above 100 average draft position at 97 right now and everyone yeah. else is above 100 and we're in round 143 or 144 is about to pick next i took uh dominic kubalik by the way for those of you wondering i'm a big fan i do think as i mentioned earlier that chicago should have a better year this year especially if johnny taves is back you're going to see guys like him getting a few more opportunities in the forward group we got patty kane to taves kubalik um, they got a pretty solid offensive core there in uh, in um, excuse me in Chicago. I apologize for the delay. I'm on the board again to pick, and I am going to pick Kevin Fiala. I like him. I like Minnesota. I think there is a possibility that they will actually put Kevin Fiala with uh, Kiro Kaprizov this year. If they do, I think that that will be huge for his fantasy value. Mm-hmm. And that would be absolutely fantastic news for me and my team. Anyways, um, I did not fill out my defensive core. I still actually have two defensive spots open. I like Matt Grizzlick from Boston. I like Jamie Drysdale from Anaheim as a young up-and-coming kid. Jake Muzzin, if you're in a banger league for the hits and blocks, is a fantastic choice. Bowen Byram could break out this year for Colorado if you're looking at that. Adam Bobquist who was traded from Chicago to Columbus. He was traded for Seth Jones. He's somebody I could see getting a lot more opportunity playing in Columbus and uh, could potentially have a good season for you. There's even some other guys a little bit further down here if you're talking about some options. If it's a points league and you're really focusing on goals and assists, don't count out Keith Yandel. He's on Philly now. He usually gets power play time. He quarterbacks uh, power plays, and he can get you where you need to go. And then we always got Nate Schmidt down here. That is an option for you if you're looking for a Winnipeg defenseman who might get some opportunity. And of course, if you're in a banger league, hits and blocks, Radko Gudis. <laughs> Radko Gudis is always an option and always a solid option for you in that case. And if you're looking at hits and blocks too, don't sleep on Romanov, Alex Romanov from the Montreal Canadiens. Won't really get he me throws. though. Sorry? I said won't get you many points, no. though. <laughs> well, but neither, neither will Radko Gouda. Yeah, that's true. It, that's why I said if you're looking for hits and blocks, you know where to look. Yeah. Um, and the last guy, actually, is Mario Ferraro from San Jose. Mm-hmm. He was actually somebody who a lot of people ended up picking up last year. He was a yeah. free agent for a while. He Got throws a ton of hits, ton of blocks. He gets you pims. And he actually put up a respectable 16 assists last year. Um, that was in a shortened season, so they're actually expecting him to do a little bit better this year. They're projecting 23 assists. So 
honestly pretty respectable considering its hits and blocks, right? So, yeah. Have you picked again, or are we kind of calling it at this point? I think we're okay to call it. Maybe we can okay. uh, talk about one other um, value pick, late round guy, if you want. Or Okay, last one. Last one. I know who I'm going to talk about, and I don't think you have them. So you want to go first? Sure. My forward, usually, I guess if it's like last pick, I'm probably going to go with like Josh Anderson, especially if you got Pim's hits. You know, he'll get you those. He's going to bang. He's going to score, especially on Montreal. He's a pretty uh, useful guy. I mean, he's not a, he's only right wing, but I think, uh, you know, another season with Montreal, you'll score some more. Absolutely. That is, that is a good pick. That is somebody who's available. I was also very surprised that Tyler Toffoli was available so late in that draft as well. Another winger from Montreal. My pick, Marcus, uh, we did talk about this not on the podcast, but off the podcast. I'm going to go with Joel Farabi. Mm. Am I pronouncing that right? I think it's Farabi. Farabi. Joel Farabi. For those of you who are not familiar, he plays for the Philadelphia Flyers. He is a left wing slash right wing. Brings that dual compatibility for you. And most importantly, he gets a ton of points. He was also near the end of the season was given a lot more power play time. And he also gets a decent amount of PIMS. So if you're looking for somebody who is that flex left wing, right wing, late in the draft, brings a little bit of each category, I like Joel Farabee as an option for you. Yeah, no, great value, great sleeper, or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> sleeper pick. All right, well, I think we're going to call it. So thank you all very much for listening to the uh, Faceoffs and Fantasy podcast with Sean and Marcus. Hopefully we gave you some decent information and we wish you all the best of luck in your drafts this week because hockey starts on the 12th. So that means we're all drafting this week. For sure. Thank you everyone and good luck. <laughs> all right.